0: Before we get started, uh, we'll pray, and then I got a little thing for you guys, a little exercise for you to Mm -hmm. consider, all right? We'll go from there. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for the time this morning. We'd ask now for your spirit to come. Please help us through this passage uh, in Romans. Help us understand truly who we are as the creatures, as opposed to our creator, and who you are, and um, how we work through this relationship properly, understanding it appropriately. We thank you for Christ the righteous, our only hope. Amen. Okay. So good morning. This is uh, Doctrine of Man. This will be session four. And we'll be looking specifically at the book of Romans. Um, Romans 1, 18. If we make it all the way to end 323, that's the intent. If we don't, that's fine. I think in discussions with Kyle, I, I got about four or five more weeks to kind of work through some material here but many years ago when i was when i was taking i was in college uh, i was taking this class called the foundations of physical education and we had a really interesting professor who taught that class and so mid mid basically midstream through class periodically he'd be at the board and he'd be writing stuff down and then he'd stop and he'd he'd turn around he'd go do you always shoot free throws before practice and they just go back to <laughs> it was just a just an odd thing. Um, this morning uh, online, I saw an article uh, regarding climate change, um, regarding the current weather in California, soil uh, being eroded, toxifying of the water. Anyways, my little moment for you all this morning is: Should we care about climate change? So just don't answer. Just. I just did that intentionally, and that's that's why. Um, so will you guys mull on that, um, Mrs. Frankenberg. I did my homework for the week. Um, I did find a resource for you to read if you're interested on specifically the topic of Old Testament repentance. It's a lengthy document, but if if you want the URL, I can just send it to you in an email. It's probably about 20 pages long, but they do a really good treatment on the topic, um, a very a very thorough treatment on it. And the gist of it, since the rest of you were in class here last week, is we had this discussion about Old Testament repentance. Um, but this guy uh, was a PhD candidate for Southern, and basically we'll talk about the linguistic issue of repentance, and he talks about specific passages, Deuteronomy 30, Psalm 51, some wisdom literature, First Kings 8, prophets, and the returning of Israel back to the land, and tying that in. So... That is, just to let you know, I, I did get that done this week for what it's worth. And if you want that URL, let me know, I'll visit after class. Okay, so I gave you a little bit of time to think about that bizarre and kind of out-of-the-world question, and um, what do you think? Okay. Man does not have an effect on planning.
1: Okay. Overall. I mean man man need we need to be good stewards of the
0: land and you know, take care of things. But there's nothing that we can do with changes with the planting. That's all that' okay. Jake, you got your hand up
1: in the back. Yeah. A are we doing something like that?
0: Okay. And remember, this is kind of a maybe it's a bit of a reach to try to get this to fit into my lecture today, but um, we are talking about the doctrine of man as the Bible, as the Scriptures would define it for us. Mary, you hand up. Um, well, I think of you know Adam and Eve
1: were given the, the directive to take dominion of the earth, and so it's it's you know taking care of things like we should, like we've talked about in the past about how the government, you know, with the with the grizzly bears and, and things like that, um, and even just not taking care of forests properly, those kinds of things. Um, that's something that we need to be mindful of. But when we look at, again, the, the atmosphere of, in the, the realm of people who are so focused on climate change, they care more, they care more about the
0: land than they do about people. Okay. That's Mary's take on the topic. Any others? It's
1: a hoax.
0: <laughs> okay. Mr. Frankenberry gets a hoax. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: People need
0: to read. Okay. So, anyways, I, this is intentional. and um, <coughs> We have already spent some time going over some stuff, and so some are new with us, so it's appropriate. I've got a note here to review. We've been talking about the doctrine of man as the scriptures would define it. And so what have we learned about the creature, us, versus our creator? What have we learned up until this point? What, what have we been talking about? And it can be any of the stuff we've covered so far. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Trevor? Yes, yeah, the, uh, Dave pointed out the creation was a decree. God consulted no one when he created, he creates. And then Trevor, you said the image of God and why that's so important. What else have we talked about? We've talked about a lot, so we talked about the fall Okay, no. and we spent specifically a little bit of time on there. What did Cain and Abel, the interaction there, display about man? He has what? We have a conscience. We have a conscience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was a major takeaway from that. Any? What else have we talked about?
1: Need um, someone something to believe in, someone to, to uh, tell us why. We ask all kinds of questions where do we come from? Why do mm. we hear what's going on? Um,
0: and then, yeah, we we talked. Yeah, I'm going to reference a book here later, but um, and we'll get to that. What are some of some of the things we learned about the fall itself?
1: Well, it changed our. It, it, we had an intimate relationship with God before the fall. Um, he would come and and walk and, and talk with good <laughs> um When we learned what good and evil are, mm-hmm. and, and for some reason we decided that evil was plan. Uh, if you look at people's lives, and sin builds.
0: I mean, over time, sin, sin grows. Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that in Romans. Trevor, you had your hand up. Um, I was going to say that it's the capacity for good and evil, but on top
1: of that, um, the, uh, our, our sin nature um, is every part of us.
0: Correct takes up the whole being, right? We talked about the wholeness of that. It's completely exhaustive. And it basically at the conclusion of Genesis 3, we saw that basically a lot of things about the creature now are maligned, broken. We use the term depravity um, as a theological construct to kind of kind of put all that together and what it means to the to the degree that man actually had to be removed from the garden and that uh, that basically displayed motive god made the comment that if we don't intervene here the creature may try to go after the tree of life and so that's that's some of the other stuff what is anything else that we talked about Right, And we talked about, we used a term for that. What were they attempting to do there specifically? They were trying to be what of God? What of the creator? Independent, some people use the term autonomous, self-ruled. And the Trinity was not going to let that take place. It's just not going to happen. So he intervenes once again. We talked about how it was so bad in the Genesis narrative, so bad that God kills everything. And every one, minus Noah, and that's how bad it was. And even after man's coming back, we have what Mrs. Geving just brought up again too about the the Babel narrative. And then we kind of call that area, Genesis 1 through 11, the primeval period, a lot goes on there. But we're going to see Paul has a very clear understanding. He has the same understanding of what we've been talking about in Romans 1 through 3. So... um, Let me make another note here for us to talk about this. So when we get into the Bible, we've already established the Old Testament um, passages. There's a a whole host that we could have looked at and spent a lot of time on. I think we get the gist of what we're doing. I'm trying to keep this within the the constraint of time that uh, at some point when Don and Kyle start doing the new Sunday school. But um, you have what we call continuity, and discontinuity within the scriptures. And so what, what do you think I mean by continuity? If you think about the word itself. Okay, yes. Yep, if, if something gets established within the scripture um, and we see it manifest itself to what we're gonna talk about today, that's continuity. That is to say, it's the same understanding in the New Testament that it was in the Old. So what we get at with that is that that remains. So we're talking about the doctrine of man. That doesn't change. It doesn't change from what we read in Genesis, and it's not gonna change when we get into the New Testament. Then you you have issues of discontinuity, things maybe in the Old Testament that we don't utilize anymore within the New Covenant or is expressed in the New Testament. Can you think of an example there? Yeah, the sacrificial system, done away with. Um, that's gone. Discontinuity. doesn't continue on. Um, right. All of, the, all of that stuff um, has, has left. All right. <coughs> Trevor, you had your hand up before I get into the text here. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So continuity, discontinuity. And we're going to see in Romans one eighteen through 3.23, continuity. Paul's understanding and perspective of man has not changed from what we've talked about in Genesis 1 through 11. And we're actually going to see some more specifics, and we're going to talk through some of this stuff and actually see um, some other things. And um, If you're new with us to Sunday school, I, I, I don't want, we don't want the amen, and uh, I, I do want interaction from you. So if you have thoughts as we go through this stuff, we do want to have some discourse and discussion about it. But... So if you got your Bibles, we are going to be in Romans. Not going to spend a whole lot of time in the uh, early part of it. It's simply the introduction to it. Paul's desire to be in Rome, etc. I will stop in 16 briefly and read this because it ties into where 18 starts. And Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God um, to everyone who believes. And this is important. Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous live by faith. Okay. So, what we're going to see, and what you need to know is, in most um, understandings of this narrative, Romans 1.18 through 3.23 is essentially one whole discourse. Paul's going to start in Romans 1:18, he makes this big arc and it's the continuous discussion till he gets into 3:23, which is the culmination of understanding that all have sinned. Okay? All right. So in 18 he says, "The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth." Okay. So, me and Joy had a good discussion at the dinner table last night about this topic. But my question to you all is, is God's wrath being displayed today? Okay, well, qualify your yeses if you say that. give, Give us an example that we can relate to. Okay. So Sandy says the natural consequences of sin in people's lives.
1: <clears throat>
0: okay. Trevor well, go ahead, Tim.
1: God's over to all
0: sorts of things. Yeah. Yep, well we're gonna get to that. But can you think of it like? so go ahead, Trevor? Yeah. The presence of what? The presence of death, that's a given. Yeah, man dies when we talked about that and incurring death at the fall. But it's an interesting question um, because it's related to the practice of ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And another thing to point out in 18 that Paul says is, who suppress the truth? So what I'm getting at with that is man is not passive in his sin, even today. He actively looks for it, actively engages in it, is actively doing it. And the the point I'm getting at here is there's nothing acting on the creature to cause them to live and do the things that they seek out to do. They're active in that. Now, there are those who would say, well, I've been doing some reading this week because we're going to get into the church history portion probably in two weeks, and who have written upon this topic. And there's a particular... Um, perspective that would say that, well, no, this is the evil one. This is Satan continuing to act on man, and this is why man continues to do what he does. But I think Paul says pretty plain here, no, man's actively suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So can you think of like a real world example of of someone who is um, experiencing the wrath of God today? I'll be here all all, all morning, so. God is
1: showing his I think so, um, and I I will say that in God controls the natural elements, and as we what as sin builds. Um, these natural elements come into play more and more. I know of it, I, weather cycles, I understand that. But we're also aware of famine, pestilence, um, hurricanes, floods, volcanoes, all yeah. that build. And it is building along because God is demonstrating his capability
0: when man says that there is no God, that he isn't capable, that, that, that uh, these things are, we control it. This is the right. of this right. thing in terms of, of climate control. It's yeah. Different. Yep. So, Mrs. Geving.
1: Sure. Um, and homosexuality and just
0: general confusion. Um, yeah, I yeah. I
1: heard that
0: that is a start of, of something. Yeah, it, it, it. And obviously, it's 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 all over the place if you're looking for it. <laughs> you know, if you're someone out there who's, um, say, you're a lawbreaker, you're a bank robber, and the law tracks you down, and you're going to do a shootout with them, and you, the bank robber, gets killed by the law. Yeah, it, I mean ungodliness, unrighteousness of men. It's manifest all the time and there is in due course a penalty that they get. Can God manifest his wrath through the natural means? He certainly could. Um, Point being is his wrath is revealed um, and it's because of ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Okay, so then Paul continues on here. Now, I can tell you plainly, this is in reference to the Genesis account. This is what Paul is talking about. And looking back on it, he says for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power divine nature having been clearly perceived is Paul correct and if he is who, who do we know that we've already talked about who would have had this experience with God Adam, right? Adam. So, yes, this is, this is all true. It's clearly perceived. Um, you read at the very end of Genesis chapter 4, this, this text that's there, I think it talks about Lamech and Cain, and we got through all of that. And then at the very end of that chapter, it says, and then men began to call upon God. So there's this fundamental understanding of who the Creator is and who they were as creatures. Okay? So they knew God. I mean, verse 21... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Um, And then they do this exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, Paul's going to get real specific on some sins. And then you have to kind of think about um, why is he getting so specific when I don't see those specific practices in that Genesis narrative? Um, but we're going to, we'll talk about that a little bit. So I want you guys to see that he's doing this really good um, description of all of the things that we've already talked about motive, knowledge. They're not passive in this sin, it's actively sought out for, and this is what the, how it manifested itself. Okay? Um, they They claimed to be wise, they became fools. Now I'll segue here for a second. I think the reason why I mentioned this stuff at the beginning about things like climate change fail and why it's not really getting much traction around the world is because so what it It fails to make the connection to why you should why you should care and if it's doing that. Um, why does it do that? Well, I don't know. If uh, Basically back in the 1800s, you elected to tell the creature, us, uh, well, you're just an existence of randomness, um, you just came up out of the primordial soup. You can't unload something like that with, without it coming back and those chickens come home to roost. So then you spring up with climate change and we're supposed to care? You see, the the whole schema here is so bad for man. It, you can make no sense of this. Although they claim to be wise, they're fools. They have no idea what they're talking about when we went through the Job passage. No clue. They're, it's That messed up, okay? And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God, images resembling mortal man, that clearly must have been some sort of... Uh, Building of whatever, um, and it gets into the wildlife. Now they're, we have full on nature worship going on now. That transition's taking place. Yeah. 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 The, and the earth becomes an idol. Sure. It idol yep. It's an idol worship. So here's man. Uh, clamoring about the climate, et cetera, the world, whatever, and the rest of us are left here sitting going, so? What's the big deal? So it's, it's a mess, right? And this is what it looks like when man's trying to manifest himself in this stuff. Okay, so verse 24, God gives them up. This is, this is what you want. This is what the creatures want. This is the will that they have now. It's not seeking after me anymore. It has nothing to do with me anymore. Basically, um, they disobeyed me when I told them not to do what they did. And we talked about all of those passages in Genesis that culminated in the tower and the ending of of chapter 11. So this is what you want. This is what you get. Um, God gives them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, And now this exchange has taken place and they exchange it for that which is not true. And so before I get too far along here and we get haughty in our expression as believers, this was you and I prior to our own miracle. um, If you're here today and you actually have been brought to faith in the gospel, faith in Christ, life in Christ, this Was us. So we got to keep that in mind. So they're given up to these things. And it says plainly here a lie worshiped and served the creature rather than creator in verse 25. And then Paul's exclamatory statement about Yahweh, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so in 26, we're told, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And now we have the really, you know, it's one thing, I guess, um, Paul gets into the, these ethics of what they're going to do with the exchanging of natural relations. Now, we don't really see that in Genesis until where? Do, do we read about that in 1 through 11? Possibly no, Okay. Not specifically. We were told what in 6, every intent of the heart is evil, wicked, violence is all over the earth. But he gets into these specifics now. You know, did Paul have some exposure to something more that we didn't have? Um, but what do you think? Where did he get some of this? Is he, is he looking at Genesis just through 1 through 11, or is he maybe looking at the whole Genesis count different? Trevor? Trevor? Oh, okay, yeah. We talked, yep, the Nephilim and the supernatural. And, and yeah, so that's, that's that. But even that would have, well, we understand that to be normal because they had offspring. So that would have been a natural interaction. But he's going to say here now that um, basically um, natural relations are exchanged that are contrary to nature. And the men, likewise, they do the same thing. Um, with women, they're consumed with passion for one another. So man with man, woman with woman. Mary In that
1: early Genesis account, okay to lot and Sodom
0: and yep we get that 's right. we get to these other things that take place within the book of Genesis, and we learn about lot, Sodom, Gomorrah, and so we have that that takes place, so Paul could very well could be alluding to that there. I think that that would be a totally fair understanding of what he 's saying here, and then it gets specific, okay, so the mind is debased and What you need to see here, too, is um, this is what man wants to do. This is what the creature wants to do. So it's not like God just, he just says, all right, I'm going to give you to it. All right, so now he gets into these specific things that we see taking place. And so they have all manner of unrighteousness. They're evil. We had that in the, the accounts we read in Genesis. They're covetous. There's malice. Envy, murder, strife. Have you ever wondered why he gets, we get such a long list here. Say it again, please. Did you ever wonder why he gets so specific with all of the sins he's about to name? It's fairly exhaustive. And I think it's appropriate. I mean, it's, it has to be. It, it, he's going to cover everything here that, like we talked about in the um, Job passage and the interrogation Job went through, that inquisition, and the exhaustiveness of it to the degree that God would give man no quarter whatsoever to be involved in any of his doings. And so I think Paul does a really good job here of saying it's not just kind of bad. We're going to talk about some perspectives in church history where Man was wounded. He wasn't totally broken. He wasn't totally depraved. Paul makes a pretty good exhaustive list here. So we've covered envy, murder, strife, deceit. And now we get into some more stuff that we see uh, sometimes. Um, they become gossips, slanderers. They hate God. Um, When you interact with people who are unbelievers or someone who has come to faith... But you hear him say something, and I don't expect him to have full knowledge of all theology, but you'll hear him say something maybe like, well, you know, I really, you know, before I was a believer, I really wasn't kind of, it wasn't kind of, I wasn't doing these things, I wasn't doing those things. Paul says that uh, haters of God. I think Colossians is where Paul calls it, um, prior to conversion, you're hostile in mind. And so getting people to really agree with the commentary that's made about us, prior to conversion, sometimes that can be hard. People don't want to see themselves in these categories. So haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Isn't that interesting? We're gonna be so wicked that we're gonna invent ways to be more wicked. Um, I'm gonna reference this now. Uh, I'm referenced in the first session I talked about Carl Truman's book on the rise and triumph of the modern self. You guys remember that? Um, Even many years ago before that in 1999 this book came out called Streams of Confusion by Brad Scott and I believe he was a professor at uh, Golden Gate um, where he actually takes that on and we're going to get back into this book later but talk about inventing evil. This is basically the (laughs) The subtitle of the book is 13 Great Ideas That Are Contaminating Our Thought and Culture. And he gets into basically what you see manifesting itself today. So there's that. Um, what else do we not cover here? Disobedient parents. Um, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now, 32. Though they know God's righteous decree... That those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but get approval to those who practice them. That's a, a pretty pretty depressing commentary, if you think about it. I mean, it's one thing that you, you're doing your own thing, but now they're advocating for those who are actually doing this as well. Isn't that where we are in this nation? Is yes. Yeah, and we're kind of to the degree where... Uh, what good is bad and bad is good. So uh, it's not not just uh, that you're doing this, but now that we have folks who are giving approval to actually practice them, actually praising it and saying it as a good thing. That's pretty bad. Okay, now we get into chapter 2. Um, this is where we've got to kind of work through this just a little bit to understand what Paul's actually saying because remember Don is in Romans. I'm not going to try to reiterate what he's already said about this, but you do have to interact with who he's actually talking to here at this point. The letter is to the Romans, but in the first chapter they're identified as saints. They're identified as the church at Rome. Um, it's possible what Paul is actually doing here, recognizing that this letter is going to be read in the presence of those who are within that church, not to make the assumption that everybody that is in that church is actually a believer. Because he's going to use this exhaustive phrase of, oh man. So you can imagine if you're sitting there in the audience and this letter is being read, if you were not a believer, these words that Paul's about to unload would resonate most with you. Okay? So gets into two. He says, therefore, you have no excuse. Oh man, I think that's what the ESV. If you guys have ESV, say, "Every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, you do these very same things." So imagine you're hearing this, and you're not a believer. And yeah, okay, he's going to explain this stuff. You're not, you're not immune from this. Uh, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. And do you think for a second if you judge those who practice these things and yet you're doing this yourself that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience the audience would have to have a knowledge of that? As he says this, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, is righteous judgment revealed for saints? It's an easy one. No. Um, But whoever is in view here, um, this this message is resonating with them. And basically it says in 6, he's going to render everyone according to their works. And so, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life, all of which is associated with knowing Christ. But for those who are self-seeking, they don't obey the truth, they obey uh, unrighteousness, there's wrath and fury. Um, Next week, (coughs) if we get to it, we'll see We will be in the Gospels and we're going to talk about the same topic here. Um, They'll going to experience tribulation, distress in verse 9. Every human being who does evil. Now, once again, I mentioned this. Continuity. Paul is keeping the whole discourse of this big section um, holistically. He numerous times says, Jew, Gentile. Jew, Gentile. Gentile. Now, prior to we left Genesis chapter 11, pre-Abrahamic pre-Abrahamic covenant, pre-Mosaic we have mankind in general. Correct? And then you have the era of Old Covenant, Mosaic experience. We end up with the Jew experience. You still have Gentiles. And so Paul makes this connection. We're back to the same thing. Holistically, Mankind in general, Jew and Gentile. No one is excluded from this expression that he's talking about, okay? And that's the connection that he's making. Be distressed for basically the Jew first and also the Greek. Why? What's it say in 11? No partiality. Doesn't matter who you are. You're a sinner. And if you don't repent you're going to be treated accordingly. Jew, Gentile. The creature is going to be dealt with. Okay? Now we'll get into this. I won't spend a lot of time here. Don preached on this, but suffice it to kind of make the point here. We're going to talk about the whole issue with the law, judging for all who have sinned without the law, also perish without the law. Um, Obviously, if you're not a Jew, you have no law. doesn't mean you don't have works of the law. We're going to get to that, but... um, thirteen, it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous, but those who are doing it will be justified. For when Gentiles note he mentions Gentiles again, who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they're a lot of themselves, even though they do not have the law, specifically the Mosaic law, they show that the work of law is written on their hearts, on their conscience, on their mind. Their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse them or excuse them. Either they're feeling this, they know that they're misplaced, um, estranged from God, the conscience is bearing witness against this, or they're actually advocating for the way in which they live. So, I remember someone talking about this a long time ago that the conscience is like this red light and it blinks and it's in, in like ensconced in this cage and everything has been done to the light but the light never stops blinking. Rocks have been thrown at it, you know, all these things have been done to it but it just sits there and steadily blinks as the conscience. So you're either experiencing this, you know, and I'm sure we all, prior to our belief, the conscience bared witness like, I'm a sinner, I need to come to Christ and receive this gift, or it's just, I'm not doing anything wrong.
1: Yeah. The conscience, while it's still there blinking,
0: and I think it's sort of like these beepers that get louder and louder, Mm -hmm. you're ignoring it. Yeah. To your detriment, you're ignoring it. That's right. And it's both and, I would say. Yeah. So it's, yeah, and yet God in his sovereignty, here's the thing, he's not violating the creature's will. This is what the creature wants to do. This is how the creature wants to live. And so that conscience still sits there. It's embedded in us. We read about it in the fall. We read about it in the Cain and Abel thing. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Or where, where's your brother, Cain? I don't know. Yes, he knew. That's the conscience. So, and this is, we're, this is what Paul is, is telling us here. Okay, so, all right. Get back to where I was at. Uh, This text I use on the machine is not my normal text. It's paragraphed, so your verse numbers are in the body. So I get a little lost in here. Okay, here we go. All right. So 16, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. In Galatians 6, there's a really interesting passage. I think it's in chapter 6, about God being mocked. Anybody know this from memory? It's uh,
1: verse 7. God is not... Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will
0: he also reap. That's right. Nothing is going unseen here or accounted for. God's not being mocked. Um, Man has his conscience. He knows full well what he's doing. And according to the good news... God will judge the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This is the very same thing that Paul says in Acts when he's up debating um, at the Areopagus. You know, uh, where's where he at? What am I thinking of? He's having the dialogue with... Um, Marcel. Yeah, yeah, Marcel. And then he culminates that whole passage with, one day the whole world will be judged on what they do with the sun. So anyways, all right. Continuing on, Paul says, if you call yourself a Jew, you rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve His what is excellent. Um, you're instructed from the law. And if you're sure that yourself is a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, you know, if you're all of these things, Paul says to them, well, uh, if you're telling people not to do things, are you doing those things? So, You preach against stealing. Are you you stealing? And we get to 24. It's written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision, and then he gets into the whole discussion about that. And I thought I missed a note here that I made. I did. Yeah, I want to go back real quick. I missed that in 15. Talking about Gentiles and Jews here, remember, holistic, all of mankind, all of the creatures. I, didn't, I forgot to mention the whole issue in 15 about the works of the law for the Gentile. All that means is, okay, if I'm not a Jew, I'm living in an expression of orderliness in whatever community in which I'm living in. So it may not be the Jewish law, but internally within that community, there's an order of understanding and how we're all supposed to live. That would be the works of the law. So the Gentile knows it, the Jew does it in their way, law and works of the law, their conscience knows, okay? All right, how we doing here? All right, then the three. So then what advantage has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. Jews are entrusted with the oracles of God. And what if for some were unfaithful? Our unfaithfulness does not mess with the faithfulness of God. We get all that um, in five. But if our unrighteousness serves to show us the righteousness of God, what shall we say? God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us. I speak this in a human way by no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to His glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? Remember, you know, the, at this point in time, people have probably gone around when you get into discussions of what grace is, and he addresses this thing later in the letter about grace and sin, and should you sin more because there's grace? Clearly, at some point in his experience, at some people are, that was their understanding of what Paul was saying you have this grace now, and you can sin as you wish, and he's kind of addressing that. Um, and nine then, are we Jews better off? Not at all. We've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Do you, do you see the connectedness of 118 to where we're going in three? That, that whole discourse hasn't changed. He's making the point that both of these groups... Um, are just in the same boat. So then we get into this quotation. Now this is, it's very important to read this because once again, um, when we get into the church history portion and you're going to get into the arguments of some folks back then and what they wrote and said, you're going to ask yourself, where on earth did they get that idea? Um, None is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for god i mean it's it, this is i guess i'm gonna, this is just a damning you, you got to see this it's it's just we're we're not in a good place here all have turned aside together they become worthless no one does good not even one and you'll meet people today who are fairly convinced that they're doing good things that they're good people um The text here tells us plainly: No, Um, not even that. They're 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 not seeking for God. You'll meet people who, you know, even I think even under this phrase here that we're reading in Romans, agnosticism doesn't even work. It just there's no one seeking God. Okay, they've all turned aside, utterly worthless. No one does good not even one, their throats an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive, um, and on and on. Venom of asps. I mean, this is a really, really very specific, descriptive uh, concept of who man is in unbelief. So, is it, is it that bad? Is it not that bad? Do you meet people who would think, I'm really not, I don't fit this description that Paul is using.
1: they would think that they're doing good, but they're, you know, we're thinking about ourselves, so we're not good. Mm-hmm. You're all around, like, I'm a good person. Yeah. I do good things. I'm yeah. a good person.
0: You know. <laughs> Trevor. Trevor. No, no, in one of the gross manifestations of mankind, the creature living in such a disordered um, way, you ever notice like there's a lot of energy that will get put into all of these uh, organizations, save this, save that, Uh, children's hospitals, or you name it I mean what are some of the things that are out there all these associations that are you know they do their fundraising in the year you see the commercials and on and on and on you know the ASPCA and they play the blood heart music and they show the dogs you know shivering and and yet at the same time uh, this is the same man who's going to advocate for taking the image of God and not even let it see the day light of day And organizations that do that so we they clearly care about the creature the created the birds the sky the air and and yet at the same time they'll they'll find ways to to do that and advocate for it so it's a it's really messed up we started talking about the whole climate change thing that's what it looks like when your faculties are this messed up I mean you're gonna it's gonna manifest itself in all kinds of bizarre Ways, like when the
1: people who are advocating for climate change are flying in their jets across the world. To yeah, <laughs> yeah. To talk about climate change,
0: or, or you know, sitting in the street tied up. I mean, what, you know, my, that's I've always thought about this topic, and um, I'll tell a. This is a little anecdote. I don't like getting into anecdotes too much, but. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this was real, but uh, about a handful of years ago, probably four or five years ago, uh, <coughs> I had an employee I worked with. And um, and this was in that era. I'm not sure when it came out when they talked about someone had espoused There was only so many years left of the earth or we were going in like 12 years or whatever it was. And I got in the truck with this guy. He looked really disturbed that day. Like, hey, uh, Are you okay? And he's like running his hands through his hair, elbows resting on the window sill of the truck. And he's like, this is just so bad. And I'm like, "Uh, what's bad? You know, he's like, it's all gonna end here in a few years. And I'm like, this person really believes this. This is..." So then I asked him, I said, well, are you a advocate of like macro-revolutionary theory? Oh yeah, of course. I said, well, what's the rub? He's like look at it it was just this interaction of what do you mean what's the rub like the earth's gonna end it's like so doesn't matter so this is what the condition of man is like okay bottom who said, well, I'm a good person but no fear of god right Anyone else before I move on here? We're running out of time. All right, so 19, Paul says, We know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. The whole world is held accountable to God, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. 21, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ, and now it's for all who believe. The people groups that have been identified through this whole narrative is Jew and Gentile. Okay, um, and we're told here there's no distinction at the end of 22. The reason there's no distinction. He answers it. Everyone has sinned and has fallen short of his glory. Okay? So, we take that pre Abrahamic state, what we've been working through in Genesis, and we're here in Romans 1 through 3. It's the same thing. Mankind, the creatures, Jew and Gentile, you're all under sin. Every last one of you. So, that's the kind of the. Symbol clash on this. They've, they've fallen short of the glory of God. And so he continues on in 24 justified by his grace as a gift, for through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, with whom God put forward, as we talked about this in the past, propitiation. Kyle had mentioned this, Just I think, a couple weeks ago in a sermon, but received by faith, God's righteousness is shown. In his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus nothing comes of our boasting it's excluded by what kind of law definitely not a, a law of works law of faith when we're justified by faith apart from the works of the law and once again is God the God he's just kind of rhetorical is he the God of the Jews only no He's also the God of the Gentiles also. And so God is one. The creature is one um, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith and kind of ends the narrative. And then he's going to get into the whole history with Abraham and how faith works itself out. And Don has been through that. The point of the, our, our meeting today is, okay, it was bad when we left Genesis and Paul through continuity he reads his Bible just like he understood Genesis probably beginning to end and he does this reiteration of it recognize it that the two people groups are one all under sin and all under judgment okay um, briefly let's see here uh the confession does a really good job of addressing this topic on the fall, the nature of sin thereof, and the issue of sanctification. Because <laughs> what we got into, because um, I did have one other thing to cover, but we're running out of time. We do need to spend some time in, in uh, Romans 6, I think is where I want to go with that, talking about the confession uses the language of remaining corruption. Um, yes, we're saved, and yet, this, we have to deal with this remaining corruption, what that means. But nonetheless, Paul's perspective is the same as Genesis. Man, all under sin, doesn't matter who you are, holistic. So, next week, we are going to go into some, one of the Gospels, and we're going to look at this. Now, we're making a transition to the, a different why does all this matter? as it pertains to the topic of how the creature gets redeemed if everything's true that we've studied up to this point we now have to figure out well this is there's no hope here so how is it that people come to faith in Christ what happens to them and that's a transition we'll be making and you'll see that this doctrine of man, as we get to the church history, I think there's, I'm just going to spend a couple of weeks there talking about some key figures and the things that they said. They, you need to understand how bad off we really are. And Paul understood it the same way. Final comments, questions? And you can always come up and talk to me afterwards or yell at me or whatever. Of a discussion. Um, I do have this note up on my tab, so I'll just share it. i got a couple, just a minute here. Where's it at? Oh, <clears throat> and this is kind of my lead-in for the next couple of weeks. This is, uh, I mentioned this resource in the past, Living and Dying in Joy. This is a devotional guide to the Heidelberg Catechism by Cornelius Vonk. And question eight, question and answer eight, but are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes. Unless we are generated by the Spirit of God. And that's what we'll be talking about next week. All right? So that is all I have. And I'm gonna ask, uh, Dave, would you pray for our time and we will be done for today.